you sang that to the Lord. Did you mean what you sang? Do you understood what you sang? Have you read the Gospels? Have you heard and seen what his disciples did when he needed a friend? You're saying you be that friend. The world says if you are, you're our enemy. And we indeed will persecute you. It's a beautiful song, tremendous lesson. We need to really listen to the words that we sing. Indeed, may they do come from our heart. Paul, as he's writing to the Ephesians in that fifth chapter, sets down a life that we as Christians are to live what he's been doing through the whole book of Ephesians, what he does in all his writings. We're reminded back in chapter 4, in verse 1, Paul is challenging them as a prisoner of the Lord that he would beseech them to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walking worthy of the calling and to try to strive to understand what's all involved in that. How do you walk worthy of the Lord? How do you live a life that is worthy of Him? I have a drawing in my New Testament written or drawn by Kirsten. And it's a picture of a snowman. Now, if you would look at it, it might not look like that to you. But she drew that especially for me. So it has meaning. It's imperfect in one sense. But it is absolutely perfect in another sense. She drew that from her heart and handed it to me. You walk worthy of the Lord. Your walk is going to look like this drawing. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit imperfect. Some of our cases, it might be a whole lot imperfect. But it's going to be a little bit imperfect. But in the eyes of God, your walk, if it's coming from love, is going to be precious. And it will be worthy of the Lord. And so we need to give attention to what it is that God is asking of us as we walk and as we serve Him. In verses 1 through 7 of chapter 5, He says that we ought to walk in love. It's what's involved in this walking worthy of the Lord. Walking in love. Following Christ as our example. He left us an example that we ought to follow in his steps. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling 
aroma. Be imitators of God as beloved, as dear children. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for our perception of perfection. It's not what it's about. We always want to limit our perception of what we're asked to do. Well, I do not do a good job of this, and I don't really feel like I ought to be able to do that, and whatever else it is, and that's not what God is asking. He's just asking for an imitation. He's not asking for an exact representation of who he is. He's asking for an imitation. You give what you have. And again, if it's given out of love, it it is satisfying and it is well-pleasing in the eyes of God. And that's a a concept that we ought to cherish in the life that we live. We really should. Just to think as we live our lives here, with the imperfections that we have, just to think that what we do and how we live and how we act and how we talk is well-pleasing in the eyes of God doesn't matter how others view it, but it's well-pleasing in the eyes of God. And that's what he's looking for in our life as we live day by day. He offered himself to God, an offering and a sacrifice on our behalf, the depths of his love for us. And again, there's no way that we can match what he's done. There's no offering we can make that even compares to what God has done for us. What Christ has done for us. Again, see, it goes back to the song, I'll be a friend to Jesus. We need to listen to what we sang. And prayerfully we sang, as we sang, it was coming from our heart. But that's what we would want to do. I want to be a friend to Jesus. I want to be his child. And I want to do the things that would be acceptable and pleasing in his sight. He, his example teaches us how to love. He loved and gave his life. We ought to love one another and be willing to lay down our life for our brethren. That's out of 1 John three sixteen and 17. And that's one that's hard to do. To lay down our life. To be willing to lay down the life for our brethren. To think enough of another. That if it would help them, if it would draw them closer to God, what would you be willing to do? To what extent would you go? How much do we consider the needs of our brothers and our sisters in Christ? And how far would we take it? Jesus said, I loved you enough to lay down my life for you. I gave you an example to follow in my my steps. Love as I have loved you. That tremendous love. Knowing that we're not going to match it. But do we have that desire of that imitation? Imperfect, but that imitation, how precious it is to God. And there's no way for us to fully perceive. But you just think about God looking at us. And God watching our lives. And God seeing our heart touched by the the needs of another. And the willingness to do what we can to relieve that need. To help in that particular case. 
and oftentimes it's not much. I know that because you ask people, what can we do for you, and what's the answer? Nothing. I'm okay, I don't need anything, I'm fine. Now some of you found out I can perceive a lot more than I may let on. I look into your faces, I look into your eyes, and I see something else at times. But again, what is the greatest thing that we can do for a brother or sister outside of a physical need that we might be able to help? Or the kind word that we may be able to speak? Is to uplift that brother or sister in prayer. And just let that be what's done. That's what he did for us. I don't pray for myself, Jesus said. I pray for my, my disciples. Pray that you would keep them. Keep them from the evil one. Help them to learn how they are going to be kept from the evil one. It's not going to be by resisting him by your own power. It's by drawing close to God. Draw close to God, he will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But you've got to draw close to God to be able to resist the devil. You've got to be willing that you need what he, that God has to offer for us. That Paul will bring out in chapter 6 of Ephesians when he talks about what we call the Christian armor. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in that evil day. The whole armor. Not just part of it, but all of it. The total dependence upon God. Somewhere down the line we need to realize that and we do at times and then at times we tend to forget it. It's on me. No, it's not. I'm simply his servant. And he's very much aware of who I am, where I am, what I'm going through, what I can do and what I'm not able to do. And he supplies the needs that we have when we have the need. The Hebrew writer reminds us that in Hebrews 4, about 16 and 17. We have bold access to the throne of God. That we can receive grace and, uh, grace and mercy in the time of need. And I've often said, uh, when do you want his strength? When do you want his mercy? And his willingness to work in your life? I want his strength before I have to face the battle. The Bible says he gives you what you need in the time that you need it. I want it up front. I want to know that I have it up front, and, and to a degree I do need to know that. I need to know up front what is available to me, that at any time I have a need, I have access to God and access to Christ. And I have confidence that they hear and they answer and sometimes when it's not the way that I had perceived it to go, then I'm reminded of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it be thy will, find another way. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And then almost immediately, Jesus rises from the ground, from the prayer to his Father, looks at his disciples and sees Judas coming and said, Let's go. My betrayer is at hand. The hour has come. Which says what? The answer has been given. Father, if it be your will, find another way. The answer is, 
There is no other way. This is it. And when that, with that, there is confidence that he has. He's in the hands of the Father. And he will deliver him. Not in the way that we would expect, but he will deliver him. And he does with us as well. Again, we fight tenaciously for the physical life that we live. We do almost anything, and and Satan's right on that, out of Job 2. All that a man has, he will give for his life. And all you got to do is look around and see that that's true. What will a person be willing to do? Whatever they can find access to, whatever it may be. But there are those who will also say, no, that's not it. This life isn't it. I enjoy it, benefit from it, but it does come to, excuse me, it does come to an end. Mine is to believe that it will, and mine is to believe that there is a better place that I'm headed for. And so I can face the death. I may be able to spend that time in a prayer as Jesus did. I may be on my face to the ground. I may be crying and beseeching God. There may be agony in that prayer. But there has to be that understanding when it's all said and done. It's in the hands of God. Be imitators of me, Jesus said, as I am of the Father. Be an imitator of him. Be willing to follow him in his, what he has for us to do. To walk together in unity. Be united with one another. Understand that need that we have for each other. We always like to be the lone wolf. We always like to be the one, okay, I'm fine. I'll help you in any way that I can help you. But don't, do not turn it around and ask me to allow you to help me. See, I don't need that. Oh, I do, but... We, we fight against that. We fight against that. And we're to help one another. To walk together in unity. That we need each other. We know that. No man is, is an island unto himself. He's a part of the whole. The continent, uh, a poet wrote years and years ago. Don't ask for whom the bells toll. They've told for thee. Do we understand that? We're all part of the human race. We have that need for each other. And there is that benefit that we gain from each other. And it is a comfort. It is a comfort to hear others say, I'm keeping you in my prayers. I don't know everything you're going through, but I'm keeping you in my prayers. That means a lot. That fervent prayer of a righteous person that avails much. We need that in our life. We need to walk in truth. And in holiness, he brings that out a little bit later there in Ephesians. To walk in truth. Jesus, or Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Truth will set you free, but what is truth? Truth is that understanding of the order. God is creator and all supreme. Jesus is his son, and the Holy Spirit is there. The word is the guide. 
It does not vary. It is true in its totality. And this is what I'm to walk in. And I'm to walk in holiness, a godly life. And we need to have that in our lives as well. We need to understand that dependence that we have. Again, we, 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 we tend to think of ourselves as being independent. And we really do not realize how much we are dependent. And we do not realize how much we are being assisted and helped in the life that we live. Always been interesting and, and amazed at you know, how God works in, in our lives. And we've, we've talked about it many times. That's just amazing to me just to stop and to reflect for a moment. And I always encourage you to do likewise. You just take those of us here this evening. You just think about what it took for us to be here. How many years, how many lives, how many prayers, how many little deeds that were done, how many suggestions that were made that seemed to be on the spur of the moment that made all those decisions take place that allows us to assemble here to be able to worship and serve that awesome God that so loved us. Walk in holiness. He works with us. Again, our walking in holiness, again, is like the drawing. It's imperfect. But I promise you, it is not imperfect in the eyes of the Heavenly Father. Your walking in holiness, imperfect as it is, is perfection with God. For you see, he does not see you as an individual that stands alone. He sees you through the blood that his son shed on that cross to make you his child. How can there not be perfection in that? He sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ, so you're perfect. We need to always understand that depth of his love for us, that he is our example and he is the one that we need to be following. We need to walk as wise. Verses 15 and 17 of Ephesians 5. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Walk with great care. Exactly. Accurately. Diligently. For the days are evil. Take that time and consideration of understanding. This time we have to be together will never ever be the same. It's gone from when we started to right now. That time is gone. Cannot recall it. How are we using that time? 
Every day that we, we draw, it draws, every day that draws to a close, we have used that day. Got a poem somewhere about it. Said, Lord, help me at the end of the day to realize I paid a price for the day. Is that price worth it? How did I use my time? Did I use it foolishly? Did I waste a day that I can never recall again? Did I waste an opportunity that will never be recalled? We understand that there's no way that you can absolutely, absolutely do everything that you believe that you ought to be doing at, at all times. It does not work that way. There's not a one of us that doesn't look back and say, I let that opportunity slip by. I let that opportunity to say a good word. I left that, let that opportunity to reach out to a hurting soul slip by. I let an opportunity slip by to petition God on their behalf. Those are, those are gone. To be wise and redeem that time. Use the time that we have. Be wise in what we're doing so that we can do the things that would be pleasing in the eyes of God. Take advantage of the time that is available. This week has been a pretty good illustration of the fact that we have no control over time. How many lives that we know of individuals have gone on to their reward? How many have gone on as we would use the term, unexpectedly. Did not expect it. So what are we doing with our time? There's no way humanly possible that we could do in a day, if this was our last day on earth, there's no way humanly possible that we could do all the things that we would believe we need to be doing. I've asked people, what would you do if you knew for certain this was your last day? And they would rattle off a bunch of things that they would, they would want to do. I would want to talk to my loved one about, about Christ. I'd want to do this. I'd want to do that. I'd want to spend time in prayer. And see, it doesn't matter what it is you think you would do. You couldn't get it all done. And whatever it is you were doing, guess what? You're leaving something else undone. My glasses sliding off the pulpit. You leave something else undone. There's no way you could do what you, what you think you would have to be or need to be doing if this was your last day on earth. And yet we're told what? Every day you live could be your last day on earth. So what do you do? I depend on the grace of God. I put my soul in his hands. I do what I can do. There's more that could be done, Yes. But I'm limited. We're all limited. We do what we can do. There is something we can be doing. Using that time wisely. Understanding that brevity. Trying to remind others of that brevity of life. We know it. We see it all the time. And we just need to be reminded that that's what we need to be about in the life that we live. We need to understand what His will is for us. Often as we talk about you know, Jesus and his temptation and is citing the scripture out of Deuteronomy 8 and, and, and verse uh, 3. And I've always told you when I 
In time, but you look at Deuteronomy 8.3, you need to look at Deuteronomy 8.2. You need to spend some time looking at verse 2 and then in verse 3. The Lord your God has led you these 40 years. Catch those key phrases. The Lord your God has led you these 40 years. Why? Why did God lead them those 40 years in the desert? To test you. God wants to know what is in your heart. To test you. Whether you will serve the Lord or not. Because it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God test what's in your heart. Do you really mean it? And Israel gave you a clear illustration that they failed the test. Save Joshua and Caleb. They failed the test. That's why it goes back to the song you sang. I'll be a friend to Jesus. Okay, listen to what you said. Listen to what you sang from your heart. And as long as I live on this earth, you sang, my Lord will what? My Lord will have a friend. Walk what you're saying. Walk what you're saying. Use the time wisely that God has given to us. His love, His patience is beyond comprehension. His long suffering, His endurance, His chastisements. But that patience of wanting us to grow, giving us that opportunity to grow, wanting to see what's in the heart. Haven't you found out that as you live life for Christ, that you find that there's less and less of a pull of the world? Oh, Satan is effective and he trips us up from time to time. But perfectly as life unfolds, the, the pull of the world just does not have its attraction. You can see beyond it. You can see through it. You can see what lies on the other side of it, and it's just, you know, that's not life. You listen to the commercials. This is what makes life pleasant for you. Then you read the newspaper in the the morning. How many lives have been lost because somebody was intoxicated? Whatever, I'm just simply saying you have to be able to use some wisdom. Walk circumspectly. Walk wisely. There's no allurement there. Chase the rainbow. You ever chase the rainbow? They're kind of fun to chase. Because you can never find it, the end of it. (laughs) I don't care. It looks like you're right on top of it and then you look, it's over there. We chase the rainbow. Why do we not chase the creator of the rainbow? Why be happy with what he's created, not be happy with him? Chase him. He's there. 
and he's never far from any one of us. So that's the choice that we get to make in our lives. He's there. He patiently waits. The decision will be ours. And you're going to sing another song now. And you need to listen to those words that you sing. Or are you singing them from your heart as well? Do you honestly mean, with all your heart's desire and all the strength that you have, that you intend and desire for the Lord to have his way with you? There's a need to make a change in your life. If we could assist you, if we could help you in that decision, then indeed we would bid you to come as together we stand and sing.